0: Do you know how powerful you are. Welcome to Rise Urban Nation. Welcome everybody to Rise Urban Nation. Reshaping and elevating your mindset to help you achieve what you believe. Sometimes we don't even see our own greatness. You can't be what you can't see. And connecting black cultures to build a community of talent and success.
1: Black people need to realize that they are assets. You are an asset. When we
0: rise, you rise. Come
1: together as a
0: group. This is Rise. Rise Urban Nation with Terrell Terrell Simmons. Simmons. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Rise Urban Nation. I'm glad to see you still rocking and running with us. Uh, My next guest that I got today uh, What can I say about Clinton James Mr. Trini Living himself Me and his brother did a show with a couple Of the amazing brothers One Michael Dunn who you've seen on here and I'm I'm hoping and still wishing to get the other brother That I did this show with On a a podcast with us We all connected and did a a show Called Let's Talk About It On God's Radio 1 And here in this setting He's here to kind of really Talk to us about his real estate business and, and how he got into the business and so forth in his journey. Other than that, what can I say? I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. It was good just to have a conversation with my brother. Uh, without further ado, Clinton James. December is when I first like launched the first interview and idea. Did mm-hmm. I lost it? Launched it in January, and we've been running, been running ever since. Uh, drop a yeah, episode. I see that. I see
1: that you've been booked up, man.
0: man which is good. Yeah, which is good. Uh, making some good, conne- like I told y'all, making some good connections over in Africa, uh, UK, yeah. and of course here in the US too. So using uh, using this platform here, or just with using um, this platform. So what I'm gonna do is after. 'Cause I am gonna start doing some more in-person interviews. So I'm gonna probably get with you, you, Mike, Will, and then we'll do some in-person interviews and I'm gonna have it recorded, you know, cameras and everything. You know, just like the other podcasts I was telling you about, just like what uh no right. button does and all that stuff. And then right. put it online and then I'm gonna have some one-offs once I start seeing what my audience would really like and need. So I already know they're gonna say real estate. So since you are my real estate guy. I'm gonna have you come mm-hmm. in and then you know drop that knowledge, you know, that you've been dropping me <laughs> with, you know. <laughs> to see how we get the right people together so we could buy right. back the block as 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 uh, Clinton would say. Like that. Go ahead, go ahead.
1: Give give, give, give me a rundown, Clint James Buy back the block. I'd be buying back the block. Get it done 2021. <laughs> exactly,
0: 2021. So, so, so this is a special treat, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Rise for North Podcast. You you in the, in the in the building with me, Terrell Simmons. I got my brother Clinton James on the line. Y'all might know him from uh the, the radio show. Let's talk about it. I took a little break off from that just so that I can focus on the podcast, but they still doing their thing. We yes, always sir. gonna be brothers and we're gonna reunite like Voltron when we get the both of our platforms together together again to do something special so in this interview Clinton we will run down memory lane uh see how you got to where you at and then yes, get, any tips I'm gonna start off with a deep question for you though I'm gonna take it in.
1: <laughs> you 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 jumping right into it I'm gonna let's jump right into <laughs> it uh like like let's hot party in
0: 96 <laughs> <laughs> let's go let's go baby let's go all right who is Clinton James who is Clinton <laughs> James that's, that's, a, that's a deep a question, more, and take yeah, it as far as wide as you want to go,
1: multifaceted
0: there you go. <laughs> who is Clinton
1: who, James? who is Clinton James? I mean, um, it, simply put, I'm a I'm a black man really trying to push and make a legacy for myself and my family. But uh, just to just to give you a quick rundown of who is Clinton James. Clinton James. I mean, I was born in Trinidad, um, Trinidad Tobago. I um, grew up half my life there. Uh-huh. I moved to the United States in '98. Came here in a soccer scholarship. And uh, what was supposed to be four years and going to school turned into like twenty. And then you come to San, <laughs> came came to San Diego, okay. And just fell in love with it. Um, but at the same time, too, always wanted to do more. I mean, one of the things that um for me that uh that always uh, kind of like molded who I am was working harder than uh always being the hardest working person, trying to always be the work hardest working person. That, not the smartest, but the hardest working. Yeah. And um that that has been uh, a pivotal thing for me in terms of even getting me here. Because I, I just keep in mind, I, I came here on a soccer scholarship, never played soccer mm-hmm. in my high school career, but actually uh, had a, had the ability, athletic ability. Yeah. So um, when I graduated high school, was kind of at a crossroads, didn't know what to do with my life. But I know I had athletic ability. And then I had um, academic ability. So okay. one, of the, one of the things that um, my old coach kind of, you know, Told me is that, yeah, you know what? Um, why don't you get in uh, try playing soccer? Cause a lot of that's that's been an avenue for a lot of people to go to college, especially mm-hmm. from the islands, you know, in the Caribbean. Cause he uh, he my old coach actually played uh with Pele. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. he been on the same league with Pele, you know, and he was he was one of those militaristic people, man. He yeah. was not playing. Yeah. So he was like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna are you gonna be my project? We got a lot of work to do. So in in like the space of a year. Um, he really got me ready, you know, and yeah. um, he really showed me the value of hard work because, I mean, that kind of he molded that in me. And coming here, same thing here. When I came on the team, I was not the best player. You yeah. <laughs> know, I was like, but then, right. But then my coach actually solved the work ethic in me. And he was like, you know what? Um, I want you to be the rabbit, you know, and um, I want you to you. You're going to get our team and uh, physical ability. I mean, physical shape okay so um for me i I just work hard you know just work hard i've always seen the results you know so one of the things that um i'm always i was inspired encourage everybody to do no matter what you do just 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 dig down and work hard man but that's 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 a me and that's a a summary of my life but just 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 to let you know my um everything that I do it from the, from real estate to building a business to Uh um, my my loan signing a business. It's always just drilling down, working hard, challenging myself.
0: Thank you for sharing that story with us. I always love those stories because what I always like my listeners to see is like, you know, every everybody starts from a humble beginning and everybody has help at some point. It's not where you start. It's where you finish. Right. That's right. Um, That's right. You know, that mindset of, uh, hard work, even if you don't have all the resources and tools can get, can get you there, you know, um, yeah. you know, yeah. even the broken clock, no is, you know, write twice a day. So you're going to find out. like that. That, <laughs> that. that is true. That is so true. <laughs> fire, you you find your way. Um, you know, one thing I, I love about talking with you too, Clinton, is because both me and you, although I didn't uh, come from the islands or Africa, as you know, my stepdad is from Nigeria. Uh, and mm-hmm. and so I grew up in Nigerian culture and, and me, and you had that same mindset on work ethic mm-hmm. and, and going out and getting it and really getting it out the mud from the concept of not growing up in the same mentality of, uh, you know, as black Americans. Right. That's right. And, and we see the world differently from that. Uh, for me, it was always a difference between how Black Americans who lived here and, Mm -hmm. you know, immigrants and so forth, uh, seen the world and and how they navigated and maneuvered through the world was always differently. How was it for you, like, you know, coming in as... I don't know if immigrants is the right word, but not being born Black in America, coming in (laughs) and experiencing Black America. How was it for you? No, no.
1: Yeah, I think... um, just, to, I mean, a lot of people always have this misconception about immigrants is that um, they come here and they they um, kind of like they separate themselves from the Black experience, you know. One thing I always tell everybody, the desire to come here for anybody across the world is going to be high, you know, especially if this is the land of opportunity. That's, that's what it, America is to the world mm-hmm. uh, when we see the world now if you if you're working at McDonald's here I always tell everybody you are part of the 1% of the richest people in the world <laughs> if you are making minimum wage really? in the United States yeah you are the part of the 1% of the richest people in the world right not not America but the world yeah. they see when when we get here it's kind of like you see that there is um a sense of where people feel like okay well there's discontent you know and um, but we come here and we we see this different you know from the get until we get acclimated, mm-hmm. you know, because we would take any job just to actually put food on the table, right? Or we would hustle, or we would grind, whatever. We don't see a lack of opportunity until we we start getting acclimated, where the, um, the cost of living starts catching up with us while we're here, yeah. <laughs> you know. So a lot of immigrants tend to move around wherever the opportunity is, right? Yeah. Now, one of the things that um I, the story I tell people, and I'll go jump right into my first job and how I. Uh, my, my mindset was, uh, my first job when I got here to United States was, um, I remember I got a job at a, um, at a furniture store. And I remember I just wanted any job that would pay me a paycheck. So if I had to work in the warehouse, I was doing that, yeah. you know, and the, the, the problem is, and I'm, I'll say I, the guy was willing to pay me under the table. Yeah. Right. Cause at that point in time, I had to wait on my work visa and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I was doing odd jobs. I remember I was, I was even coaching, um, doing some soccer coaching on the side and stuff like that mm-hmm. for, for high schoolers. Okay. And I remember um, my first job, my first real job working in a business was uh, at a furniture store, a small one. Mm-hmm. And I remember the guy, he sat, he, he, um, I remember it's like, I'll do anything. I'll work the warehouse, whatever is available. And um, the guy put me on the sales floor. Because the, the, it was so small, he's like, "You're gonna have to work in the the warehouse anyway." And so, in the sales floor is where we we make the business, so I, that's and the, what what he did was he he kind of like he broke down sales to me because that was my first sales job yeah. away from like manual labor and skill labor, you know. But he broke down what sales was to me and how how to sell um, stuff effectively or sell anything, mm-hmm. you know. He, he broke down the fundamentals of what sales is. Yeah, and I, and I, for me, I didn't know there was like a technique to all that. Uh And then he he used to give me examples, real life examples, and then have me try it. Now, that's where I learned the blueprint of actually business, you know, so because I I, I worked there for maybe a year. And I remember that I was enjoying it so much because I was learning so much, you know, I was like it was like for me, even though I I didn't know how, how I was getting paid. (laughs) <laughs> you understand? <laughs> I was learning so much. And at one point, I remember um, the, it was the uh, guy and the owner uh-huh. and all the two of them all used to butt heads. And one time the guy took some a break away from the shop. He was like, yeah, I got to go on vacation, get mm-hmm. some stuff done. Um, And I remember he took two months off and um, they put me in charge of it like the I was op- from opening the store to inventory to um, to um, to accounts receivable to accounts payable dealing with all because at that point after like about two months and then um I, I was the one doing and that, for a full month until um the the sales manager came back yeah and it taught me one thing is that even though I, as I said I was not getting paid what I was supposed to get paid yeah. what it taught me was how to run a business, oh. you know, how to be able to actually, um, how a business is structured, you yeah. know, and I was able to ask the owner questions. And at that point, he realized, okay, well, um, I'm such a good worker. He wanted, he was like, he had all these plans and he started making plans to open up another shop uh-huh. until I realized, wait a minute, I'm not getting paid for that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> my, my paychecks are like coming like one, whenever. <laughs> <you Right>. know. <laughs> so, but at the same time, I tell people it's like this, it's like, your job is, you, you go, you're going to learn business in two ways. A lot of people always ask, well, how do you become an entrepreneur? And this is that. Your job is always going to open an opportunity mm. for you to actually learn how right. to run a business. You, you just, I mean, at the end of the day, that's, that's where you get the fund, fundamentals in the, the school. And it's all, it's all, all how you want to take it. You, yeah. know, you can go there and just collect a paycheck. or You can go there and learn something, you know, and then you can take that, what you learn, and then uh, level up to the next level. You know because I didn't I didn't jump into business right away but that was the foundation I'll never forget that because now I because that was the fundamentals of me actually learning because I was immersed in it you know learning how to run a business so uh so just I mean that's that's kind of like how I see me coming to this country is kind of like looking for the opportunities even though I'm not getting I mean paid for it is looking for those opportunities where I can learn and that's what happens. We see these opportunities because I see a lot of that happening where from landscaping to um, the, um, the jobs that, that are not desirable. People take that and make that their own. And now they run a business from it, you know? So, I mean, that's just the the Black experience. Now, the Black experience for me is is just kind of understanding, number one, um, as we get immersed in here, is that, number one, we are minorities. You know, yeah. it's like we come here with a blind spot. We don't see the racism and we don't see the the stuff because we we don't understand it. And all we know is based upon the civil rights movement that was worldwide, you know. But so we come here with a blind spot to the racism until we start getting immersed, where we start trying to expand in those opportunities. So when, when we start leveling up, then we start understanding, hey, you know what, this is um, it's, it's a little bit harder than it was, it, it, we expect, you know, mm-hmm. um, because um, that means now you have to, you are going to be making some major decisions. Right, and you are going to be impacting other people's lives. So now, when you get to that point, um, then you see it's a how how there it's a little bit harder. And when you sit in the room and you're the only one, Mm -hmm. and and a lot of people are either you don't get the opportunity to say anything, or when you say something, it's it's misinterpreted, or it's um, it's scrutinized scrutinized a little bit more than the average. So, But at the same time, too, um, I've learned to kind of switch that around and use that energy as an advantage. You know, because being the only person in the room sometimes is an advantage. I see it as an advantage now.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. Use that opportunity, turn it into advantage. Because sometimes you're only the you having that unique perspective, being the only one in the room, gives added value to the room. And if you right, if you can add value to the room, you are always bound to have a seat at the table right Um, that's right (laughs) that is right say i mean at least when you are in that room say something you know like and
1: make sure that your voice is heard you know um because that's what happens to us we 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 get we get uh we go into a room and then we see it's kind of like um it's overwhelming a lot of times you know because we're the only person and to give our perspective which is the black perspective it's kind of tough because some people might not take you the right way. They don't want people to be, um, especially your superiors, to be a misinterpreted. But yeah. I've learned, I've learned one thing, man. It's just, it's just number one. It doesn't matter. You are, you are, you in that room for a reason. You understand? And and, and at the same time, you you are at that place for a reason. So you have to make make sure that people understand. Hey, you know, I'm um, I'm at the table. I'm here you know, I'm present, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, and my, my value is worth as much as anybody's value in the room, yeah. you know? So,
0: so do you feel at times, cause I know I've, I've heard this from other people that I interviewed, uh, like mostly from black uh, Americans feel like sometimes that, you know, when they get that far and, and ahead and they're the only ones in the room, it's as if, all right, I got this far. I don't want to mess up this opportunity. And uh, it's hard for me to be vulnerable because if if I say the wrong thing or I mess up, I might lose this opportunity or I might go back down and, and mess it up. Not only <laughs> myself, but anybody else who wants to come in after me, right? So I got right. I got to be extra careful. Do you ever feel that right. way at, at, at times when when you, the the further you move up in life, career, entrepreneurship, and you get. More seats at the table, and and right,
1: and yeah, yes, yes. In a way, yes, that's that's um that's a feeling that that you know I, I think everybody feels. I mean, but at the same time, no. I mean, it's kind of like this. Um, when you are in a situation where you have a place of uh, authority, right? Everybody's looking to you to lead. Doesn't matter. You are going to make mistakes. No, it's and that's that's the thing. It's like. Mistakes is where you learn because when you when you're in leadership, it's kind of like you under you have to understand the fundamentals that you're not going to be perfect in um, leading, but you are you got to learn and learn quickly from those mistakes, right? What happens with us is that, as I said, we're scrutinized a little bit more. Our mistakes <laughs> tend to be uh, more more uh, highlighted yeah. because, um, as I said, it's it's something where, but um, it's something where because we're the only person in the room, and then we are a minority. It tends to come out, tends to be highlighted more. Now, just keep in mind, you're talking to a black man with an accent <laughs> in America. So, so, so that's, I, that's your that's, accent that's, ain't that bad no right? more. <laughs> I, I, I
0: know. I'm pretty sure when you first came, it was it was trending all day, man,
1: and all day long, all day long. But that's that's the thing. It's like it, it never prevented. It. At first, it was intimidating. Uh-huh. But it never really because I one thing I always understood was that we're all human men and we all. Um, we all have to start off at a certain level. Um, the, the whole thing, I never believed in the whole fake it till you make it. Yeah, I believe in um, making sure that you learn as you go forward, you know, and and, you, and and don't be afraid to make those mistakes. I never really got scared of being fired okay. from a job. You know, um, that's, that's one of the things that I never walked into a job and think in the back of my mind, oh, I'm going to be fired. I always had plan because for me I had multiple. I always had multiple, <laughs> like you know, they say I have twenty jobs. I always <laughs> had multiple, <laughs> yeah, no. and then maybe that's the immigrant experience, you know, because we we go in there and we like, you know, we don't, I don't. I mean, if you if you fire me from this job, you know I can't. I got carry two more jobs. That's uh, I got this one here. <laughs> I got this hustle over here. Part of that so living, living right now. I, you're, you're fine.
0: So you <laughs> we got two more, you know. So I'm not worried right. about what, what you're gonna see. We can fix the mistake now, okay?
1: <laughs> yeah, and I was and I always had this conversation with um a lot of immigrants, including yourself too, is that a lot of people tend to categorize all immigrants as the same we come like because of what's in the news and what's the narrative which is illegal immigration some immigrants came here legally mm-hmm. and the ones that came here legally had to go through a fil- a filtration system mm-hmm. right so a lot of them who came here legally no, me had to go through the fact that because i came here on a student visa yeah. and i was they wasn't going to let me in the country if i didn't have the knowledge or the academic experience to even they, to even get a student visa. absolutely so a lot of a lot of immigrants who come from like africa and a lot of immigrants who come from um more the west the, like the east world and who came here illegally basically mm-hmm. um they had to go through that and so you you're realizing that it's uh it's more um of the maybe the top or the smartest people coming from a country who came here and i've, I've always learned to kind of to differentiate you know a lot of as i said most americans and most people in the west. They tend not to. They tend to categorize all immigrants as the same. Yeah. But um. But I've always kind of come to understand that not all immigrants are the same. You know, some some immigrants came here. They came here on, on work visas, and at the same time, too. Yes, they have to go through a filtration. And if you and if a company, just keep in mind, if a company is willing to take an, uh, an immigrant from another country to bring them here, which is a little bit more. Mm -hmm. That's just hire somebody here. And I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying that this is what happens all the time. They have to be uh, a level of performance at the top in their sector, in their country, or they have to have a unique skill. Mm -hmm. Now, whether or not they get paid equally, that's the, that is the question, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's where at the same time, that's, that's the kind of like the immigrant experience. And that's what I wanted to make clear to a lot of people, because a lot of people don't understand that. When we come here, it's like, we hit the ground running. We want we we' are looking for the opportunities we 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 kind of discover these opportunities and these hidden crevices and in the top and we and we're not afraid because at the same time too, we're not afraid of, as you said as, of losing or the legacy that we're gonna create because we know, okay, well, there's so many other opportunities that we see now the stability is what we we, we strive for, you know because it's hard it's hard having multiple. Avenues and always leaving one job to the other, to the other, to the other, because that, that doesn't create stability, especially if you want to build yeah. a family and you want to build something. So we um, one of the things about most immigrants I always see is that they, they, they later in life, they seek that stability, which is they try to create a career or they become an entrepreneur um, or stay in one place, you know, and then level up consistently. But yeah, I mean, um, for me, I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't go into that situations. in the back of my head. I thinking, okay, well, visa, this is what's going to happen in this situation every, um, every boardroom, I always, I always approach people as human, you know? I mean, one of the other jobs that I want to point out that helped me a whole lot was working, um, was my internship after I did my grad program. Okay. Um, I did, uh, I worked as the executive, um, intern for the CEO of the, um, the World Trade Center, San Diego. Oh, wow. So, um. So I did that for six months, and I remember that opened up a whole other level <laughs> of um because uh, I remember I because I I had the one I was the one contacting all these um the CEOs of different companies in San Diego and around <laughs> the world, and I I remember I used to. I just received the CEO's emails and I, and I remember seeing some of these emails of how the, the board members are talking to him uh-huh. and I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> you know, that's a, cause I'm talking about explanatives and stuff in the, in the email, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> <laughs> I'm paying all this effing money and it, you, you're, you're, you're not doing the job. I'm paying you all. So, I mean, and these are, these are the, that's the human element. The, you know, because it's um, for me, it's always about the value comes from the, the return on the investment. You know, if you bring value and you show people you can create that return on the investment and anything you do and you work hard, it, it's always you're always going to. There's no way that you're going to be um, somebody you're going to be easily replaced.
0: Yeah. You know, so, so true. So true. Uh, So, so many things uh, unpacking there, but I, I'm I'm glad that. Uh, you broke it down for us. I, I think when I go back to the immigrant journey that you talk about um, and so many immigrants that I've gotten to work with throughout my workforce development career. One thing that I think we could do better in this country is just uh, take advantage of the skills that all the immigrants that that come in bring. I've seen mm-hmm. people who are doctors and lawyers in their country and they come over here and they, they start all over again because it didn't. Right. Quite quick, but and I'm pretty sure they were brilliant at what they did over there and they had a passion for it. But to start back over and do something totally different, um, okay. I, I know you as uh, for me, you've always been in real estate, so I want to go back right. real quick and, and chase your roots back into how did you get from let's let's you know, like you went from working uh, and furniture. Uh, right. and, and then you had the boss for a little bit, uh, where you, you, you got to see the behind the scenes of how these board members act. How do you go from furniture to real estate? Give me, give me the break now. Give me the story.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, my, my first experience or like my first taste of real estate, I remember it came when, um, when I first moved here, my second year in college, I stayed with a host family, A host family kind of uh, took me in and they made me their, like They kind of made me the extended son, you know? And I remember um, the husband; he was working, and he was a border patrol agent. And then uh, the wife; she used to work as a loan processor for this small um, loan processing company. And I remember um, one of the things that impressed me while I was there: they, um, they always at the home that they lived in, they actually added on another room, and they made me, um, they gave me that room. And uh, at the same time, too, I used to see how hard the wife used to work. Not the, the husband didn't work. He used to work hard because he had like he, he used to work nights and stuff. And then she used to bring home all these t- files and I was every night going through these files and stuff. And uh but at the same time um I was used to see the when we took um when they took like holidays and vacations they used to do a big you know because they had homes in like Big Bear. They had all the toys they had the boats, the jet skis, the the four wheelers doing buggies I remember they bought me my first car. They bought me um, uh, a Yamaha four-wheeler, you know, and I remember going out to the desert and being one of the only black guys out there. (laughs) (laughs) Driving around on this (laughs) (laughs) four-wheeler. So, um, but at the same time, too, it was a lot of fun. So, I mean, one of the things I wanted to figure out was what, what they did, what she did. And uh, one night, one night, I remember I sat at a table while she was doing it and she kind of started explaining it to me, she was processing these loans that were coming in. And that was a peak of the real estate industry too. So she was like, I get paid on each file I process. And when she told me, I was like, so how much you get paid? She's like, and then she told me, I was like, whoa. And I was like, hey, that's a lot of money for one file. And, um, but at the same time too, she was one of the top loan processors at a, at a, um, at a company. And she always used to be on the phone with the owner because the owner never keeps, she's like, I do all the owner's work. He never really has to come into the office because I, I run the whole office. And then she had a whole bunch of loan agents and stuff she used to manage too. Mm-hmm. Now, um, skip to a couple of years later. Um, when I, I decided, when I when I kind of graduated from college, well, I didn't graduate from college. I actually graduated from um, junior college. I decided to get my real estate license. And that was around like 2004. Got my real estate license and I started, get, I got into real estate. So I kinda understood it now, I kinda just by watching her. And one of the things that I did was I went back and I, I, I contacted her because I had moved out and everything by then. And I contacted her. And when I contacted her, she had actually bought the company she was working for. Wow. And opened up two more branches. Yeah. <laughs> she, was, she was that type of hustler. And I was like, whoa. Oh, you know, so, so, so it was I nice. I the company. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't <laughs> the company. I own the company now. <laughs> she owned the company now. She owned the company, changed the name. And then um, actually, and then on top of that, she opened up her real estate side of the business, which was she now did loans and real estate. And it wasn't one house and she had two more branches. Wow. So I, that's where I started and I learned the most. Although I had my, my first learning with like Prudential and stuff, the, the orientation. Right. And I remember my first deal in real estate came from the guy, that a guy that I used to work for um, under the table where I, I helped him um, dig the trenches for um, the um, the water irrigation system mm-hmm. and um that while I was in college that was my odd job but i mean I, the guy he always used he liked me and i liked because he taught me a lot he he was one of those old hardworking guys who went through the recession so he's always talking these old school things to me like how oh, to save money and all this stuff and he had three homes too and um how i got introduced was through my host family to him too uh-huh. so um and he needed help so i mean so I, and he would pay me um so i mean at the same time we used to sit down and every time we had lunch he would tell me about these the olden days and and how we actually came up and bought three homes and stuff like that. So I mean, I was, I was here. I was kind of immersed into it in San Diego. Yeah. And um, I remember calling him up when I got to real estate, and he was like, "Oh, you got to real estate, man? This is good. This is good." I was like, "Yeah, well, I'm looking to see if you are looking to sell." He's like, "Okay, well, Clinton, if you can give me this amount for this amount, this property, it's all yours." And that that was how I got my first sale in real estate. Yeah. You know, um, it's just by going through the people I I know because I didn't really know anybody here. Yeah. And when you're when you're an immigrant, it's kind of like you don't know too many people who are owners, you know, like or entrepreneurs, because that's that's a level that you got to start. I mean, you got to get up to.
0: Yeah.
1: But um, but I had to use what the people around me. So um, I remember then then he told me then he that's, that when I reached out to him, then he told me about Chris. Well, I, would, I don't want to call him name or anything. And he told me about the people who I lived with. That yeah. she owned the company now. Yeah. And um, and so I reached out to her, boom, well, I started working for her. And that's where I got my best, like, I would say my best experience in uh, education in real estate. Because now I, the doors were wide open. Like, I would walk into the office, sit down in these meetings. And, um, and then on top of that, I was encouraged to get my broker's license, something that most companies or, or brokers do not do. Right. Because it's something where if you go to any of the big companies, that's something that they do encourage you to do, because if you get your broker's license, that means you're out. <laughs> right. You know, most people, most most brokers want you to stay. But she encouraged me to get my broker's license. And I remember she even because uh, a broker has to write off when your experience and, your, mm-hmm. and your, um, your, your time spent in real estate when you're applying for it. And most brokers. Don't, especially me being a young black man, as I said, with an accent. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, I remember to She being able to actually help me with that, exactly. and then uh, so I started now, the process of going towards getting my broker's now, license. Now, break that
0: down for me, real quick. What's the difference between a real estate license and a broker's license?
1: Well, I mean, a real well. To, just just to give you a, a synopsis, uh, just a summary is that a, a real estate agent can't do business without a broker. Okay. All right. So you have to be um, a broker record is somebody who actually if, if in any real estate transaction is always going to be a broker record, even if it's title, even if it's escrow, even if it's because um to do business in real estate, you have to be licensed by the the department of real estate in uh in the estate. And then you broke, you have to work under a broker. Um so a broker is kind of like the person who hires all the real estate agents. Um, And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that when you're still an independent contractor, but you just have, in order for you to sell real estate or do business in real estate um, and practice real estate, you have to be under a broker. So the broker of record um, is something where it gives you a lot of freedom. Mm. So you can, so as a broker, you can have multiple businesses in real estate and still be under a real estate broker. So you can open up your own, you can work for, you can, you can start a property management company. You can start an escrow company. You can start, start a sign an agency and have multiple businesses in real estate and still be signed under another broker, right, mm-hmm. as an as a associate broker. Now, as an agent, you're not allowed to do that. Mm. You know, you can start a team. That's why you see a lot of um, agents start teams. But at the same time, too, that team still has to be under a broker record. Got it. Um, and, I, and I realized the freedom that I needed. And it, and then on top of that, um, to and the control that a broker has in the in the way they want to go in this business, in this industry. Cause this business is so many opportunities, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just didn't want to always having to leave one brokerage to go to another, to another, to another, to another cause it um to me it was more uh, it's more for me as I said, the stability factor. Yeah, you know? So um so I was and I saw it, and that that was kind of taught to me also by her by her, which is something as I said, you don't really See, you know, cause and then um, I saw the process of buying homes and she was flipping homes consistently. Okay. By the time I got to start working with her, she had like nine homes, you know, and every year she'll buy a new home. And um, so, I mean, that, that was kind of like the experience and I saw how much money she was pulling in and making too. I mean, she was one of the first millionaires that um, I knew of personally. And the thing about it is down to earth, you know, like really down to earth person. Yeah. You would never know she's a millionaire, but at the same time too. Um, she was really about people, like really helping people. So one, two things that taught me was that, um, number one, you have to be able to be passionate about what you do. Yeah. I mean, the hard work is, is good, but you got to be passionate about what you do and what you're doing. And, and then on top of that, you got to find a way in which you can help people. You know, you, it's kind of like you, it, you, you don't want to go into business just to make money. You, you want to be able to impact people's lives. So that was kind of how I wanted to start. I'm structure my business. If I've gotten to business is to make sure that my business is impacting people's lives. If not, if not, I mean, and and how I was able to do that in real estate is by joining organizations Mm -hmm. that are part of real estate, but also impacting people's lives like NARAB. I I mean, I'm a board member of NARAB now, so um, I want to be able to structure my business like that.
0: Man, I think you've in in our community, you've been able to affect a lot of people's lives in, in so many different ways. Not with just just the radio show, with the education lessons you've been given, how you consistently go to these barbershops and to the community to educate and Try to get the give the best value to those people who come to the market. And just to be clear, ladies and gentlemen, this this is gonna be the one that's gonna get me my second home. Uh, you know, he out here making sure that my second home.
1: And hey, we ready, man. <laughs> hey, we ready. Let's get it done. 2021.
0: <laughs> um, be transparent. Uh, and then we're gonna definitely have them come back and give us some 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 value of how you get into the housing game, you know, at a later date and time. Now it seems like you had some some a great mentor in your life that's helped you get this far. Which I always suggest if anybody is trying to look the level up in life, you get yourself a great mentor. Through all these different journeys and and ebb and flows and ups and downs of life, what would, what would you say is one good lesson life has taught you?
1: Hmm. Well, well, I always go back to um, the Bible verse that I, I live my life with. Now, everybody who knows me knows me knows a lot. I love this Bible verse. I mean, from college, my college roommates, all the way to um, even my host family, I remember. I still have the plaque that my, my host family, um, she actually printed this plaque because she know that it was my favorite Bible verse. Mm-hmm. I still have it today. Um, it's called, it's, it's Philippians 413. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Right. You know, Um and that's my foundation, and that's that's kind of a verse that my mom actually gave me when I because uh, my mom used to be a a Sunday school teacher, yeah. and that was one of my favorite Bible verses. So, I, and that's that's the kind of like what I live my life by is that number one, you can do anything you put your mind to, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it doesn't matter um, what you put your mind to. Just just the first thing Nike has the best logo
0: ever, slogan ever. Just do, do it. it. And, and, and this man, those who are just listening online, if, if if I get this visual experience going on YouTube, this man got his Nike uh, hoodie on as we speak. Like, <laughs> there you go. Nike cut the check. <laughs> Put right? out here, rapping. Nike cut the check. <laughs> <Okay>.
1: <laughs> just do it, man. Um, I, and and but at the same time, too, as always be a sponge and learn, man. Like never ever think you know it all. You yeah. know, even at this day, I mean, I always seek out mentors, you know, um, in this business. I've been in this business for over uh, two, uh, close to two decades now. Yeah. I've seen the crash of 2008. And um, and then um, I've, I've gotten back in business on my own as an independent. And then um, I working as an associate broker. Yeah. I've learned that I, I can't do this business on my own. There's so much more that if you want to accomplish a lot more, get under people who are performing at a high level. Uh, it, even if you have to push yourself in that door, um, it's kind of like it, you want to be around those people who are doing it at a high level that you can learn from them. So uh, the, and so one of the things, um, one of the ways that I always say is internships are huge. Like when we talk about college and because, and, uh, you know, you don't need college to get into real estate, but um, college has helped me a whole lot. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I believe that a certain level of education would actually put you in the room, first of all. And at the end of the day, it's up to you what you do in that room. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so, so at the end of the day, um, that, that's what college has helped me do is put myself in situations where I wasn't expecting, like in boardrooms and stuff. And um, people are willing to listen to what I have to say, you know, um, because that that, that that degree or the, the, um, the title next to your name does help. You know, people recognize you a, li- a little bit more. Now, at the same time, too, that, that work ethic has to come in. You know, um, I've learned that um, it does not, for me, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what level of education you're at. If you have the work the work ethic and you're willing to learn and you're coachable, man, you, the sky's the limit. You know, yeah. sky's the limit for you. You know, um, because at the, at the end of the day, that's your, your experiences is what's going to teach you more than any academic, you know? Absolutely. I agree with you. So life experiences is going, but make sure that you understand that you're going. To, you you have to learn from those life experiences. You gotta. Some people some people make life experiences knock them down. Mm-hmm. For me, I've, I've I've come to a point where when I'm going through the hardest times in my life, that's when I start pushing the hardest. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and for me, it's it's kind of like that's and that's my mentality. You know, it's always been my mentality from coming from Trinidad to where if I if I know I'm not the best, I'm going to work the hardest. Mm-hmm. You know. So, I mean, my work ethic is always going to show, you know, so it, it's always kind of like it's, I mean, it has been ingrained in me, like the tough times when you, you the toughness got to come out. You got to you got to you got to put it to, metal to the grind and, yeah. um, and surround yourself with people who are performing the, the, um, at, at a certain level in the industry, because at the end of the day, they're the ones who are going to be able to you're going to take some things from them that you can implement in your life you know
0: mm-hmm. yeah absolutely I, like I, I often tell people like when when you're when you're going through something you know messy in life um usually there's there's a, a good lesson to learn in there and, it, and if yeah. you learn the lesson you could turn you know turn your mess into a message you know so, that's right <laughs> i love that That
1: <laughs> there's always opportunities in the tough times man that's that's the thing about it what i'm saying is that basically you look at people who went through the um the the recession and the 2008 crash and now COVID nineteen and 2020 and um a lot of them have kind of um, there's that resiliency that I've seen some and then there's that that defeat that I've seen some but I, I just want to let people know it's um there's always opportunities in these challenges because in 2020 I had one of my best years you know because um and, and everybody talks this pivot yeah you are able to pivot but it's um yeah I was able to pivot into another um, line of my business that I do. Mm-hmm. And um, that, that helped me be had one of my best years, you know. So um, and I, I've heard some people, I've heard a lot of people say that 2020 was one of the best years, you know. And but at the same time, too, you, you always have to diversify. It's always diversifying your portfolio. I mean, never, ever stick to one that they say the most the top millionaires have seven sources, um, seven sources of income. Right. So if you just focus on one, I didn't learn that in 2020. I learned that in from 2008. 'Cause um it, me being just in real estate alone, I mean it was when the crash happened, I mean uh, I was like a, a fish out of water, you know. So I had I, what I did is I had to go back to school. You know, I went back to school, um, and that's where I met you actually. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> Ashford,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> Ashford, yeah. Yep. Went back to school. <laughs> worked at the school too. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Good old Ashford, you know, and um but at the same time, too, I got my education to kind of level up because, I mean, I, I always understood that for me, my, my best self is in business, which is entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. you know, um, and um, at that point, I wanted to become more independent. So yeah. um, I, I kind of built two businesses in the same industry that kind of feed off each other. Gotcha, gotcha you know
0: let, let, let's talk about that that since you've been in the you've been in the real estate game for two decades let's talk about that you know i know you alluded to the crash so a lot of people are gonna probably want me to ask like what's going on are, are we due for another crash what's going on now i know i had my my <laughs> my best year too from real estate financial aspect We re, refinanced the house got the lowest interest rate now crazy two yeah. percent two point something and 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 my mortgage is less than most people's rent right now in San Diego. Mm-hmm. That, that was a beautiful thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, yep. so,
1: and then that, so, that, that, yeah, that that's the power of real estate right there. Yeah. So
0: what 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 do you foresee? You know, because I'm looking at the real estate market right now. I, I see interest rates are still low. I see the housing price mm-hmm. going up, so I'm like, all right, should I buy now? Should I not buy? So, what's your what's your take on it?
1: Um, one of the things I always tell people in the when I when I first graduated high school, I I went I did economics, I studied, I went into advanced economics course at Oxford University of all places. Mm-hmm. You know, up to the two year economics course, and that helped me a whole lot into kind of understand trends and economic trends. And real estate is no 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 different from any other type of economic trend, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's trending up, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and I tell people that, I mean, uh, when looking, uh, when I first got into real estate in 2004, real estate always would the average two bedroom was like around 200, a hundred. Mm-hmm. Right now there's nothing you can find in San Diego County at that price. You know, nothing, not even a one bedroom, not even a studio. I'll, right. It so maybe
0: a mobile home. Maybe right. maybe a mobile maybe. home. Maybe
1: <laughs> I remember mobile homes were like twenty thousand know? dollars. <laughs> you know. But um that's the that's the as Mark Twain said, they're not making any more of it. Um they don't make you can't make any more land. You have to use the land that we have right now and they it's they're not making any more. So um it's it's always gonna be in short supply. So that's what's happening right now, is that the supply is just uh, a supply and demand issue, which is there's this there's, there's very short supply of homes right now. And um, building homes has become expensive because now the cost of lumber has gone up. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, we have the highest prices in the cost of cement. So new home prices are obviously, they're going to have to, to counter those costs by increasing the price of number one. Um, so when you're looking at new homes and new construction developers, they're, they're, they're faced with, with having to counter the cost with, with increasing the, the retail value of the homes. Mm. Secondly, uh, with the supply and demand issue, there's just, right now we went through one of um, the unprecedented years of, of where everybody had to stay in in, an in somewhere where we are in a lockdown quarantine. So that caused a drop in supply, number one, because um, they had to use the inventory of homes to house people, right? And most people are now in a place where, until this is over, until they, they see the, the clearing, then they would say, okay, well, let me experiment and try and sell my home and maybe move. Right. So now we have that 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 issue where it's more of a mental mental issue where mm-hmm. people are now not selling homes. You know, so there's a short supply of homes. So and then there's a high demand because of interest rates, which has to stay low because they can't they can't just suddenly increase the interest rate because there's so much money in the in the, in the pump so much money in the economy right now. We don't want to cause inflation, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's the problem with not with keeping the rates low is to want to keep the cost of money low so that people would consistently um, spend money in the economy. So, I mean, so and they don't want to tighten, they don't want to have to tighten up on um, and being people having access to money. Because that's that's how what a lot of businesses are now are surviving off of is this low interest rate, mm-hmm. and uh, that's all that's the, the you just said it. You were able to lower your, the cost of your home, and uh, that's what a lot of people experience, mm-hmm. and were able to survive this the the economic crash that was pending in 2020 mm-hmm. was by lowering the cost of um, paying for housing
0: mm-hmm.
1: by lowering their the refinancing. So with the low rates now, it creates a, a lot of buyers. A lot of buyers are now out there because now they can qualify based upon the rates and the, the, loan to va- no, the loan to value. The loan to value, yes, is part of it, because the prices are high. And then you have the, um, the debt to income because mm-hmm. of the the low rates now they're able to qualify for more and that, and the income, the debt to income is not an issue anymore. So the rates are pushing a lot of buyers out there. So there's a lot of demand um, where I see the housing product, where I see the housing market going is, I don't think there's going to be a big change. Um, we still have the moratoriums out there for um, the one is um, forbearance moratoriums. And then we still have the foreclosure moratoriums out there and the rental margin. So those three things kind of is, is what people are looking at as, that's going to level things out once those moratoriums are up. Mm-hmm. It's going to increase the supply. But at the same time, too, I don't see it making a drastic impact in the, the pricing or the, the market right now. Mm-hmm. I think more until rates start going back up, then we'll see a pretty a change. And it's not going to be a change. I think they're going to really do it slowly because they don't want to cause another <laughs> crash of 2008. Mm-hmm. So they're going to do that very, very slow increase in rates. I mean, we see it going back up, but it's coming back down. It, they, they're kind of like doing this this game right now, yeah. yeah, fluctuating right now. So, but I mean, it's it's it's. I don't see it. I, I see. I tell everybody's like this: if you're qualified to buy a home, go ahead and buy. It. Yeah. You know, I always tell everybody that's my advice to everybody: if you're qualified to buy a home, buy. it because you know, right. I, I i've known clients who were waiting on that crash since 2016. <laughs> you know and <laughs> you know and um and and right now they priced out you know right. the same home that they were looking at in 2016 they bought for for 600 they bought now right now for 800. Uh-huh. you know so um so it's it's something where i say if you qualify to buy a home because people bought their homes in 2016 are, you love it, <laughs> you know, You're like you, you, you bought your home a while ago. You love you. You, you right. enjoying this moment right now. Right. You know, um, if you put your house in the market right now, you can get more for what you pay for it. But a lot of the problem is, is that, okay, well, what am I going to buy now? Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's so only so, problem. Um, like
0: I, if I put, yeah. the market, what am I going to buy? And, yeah, right. <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> I still, and boy, I, I'm still get that same low rate, but, it's no guarantee I'm gonna get that next spot. So, <laughs> right, right, and that's
1: the thing, and that's the thing, because everybody, every offer that I put in for buyers who are waiting to screw it and ha- close have actually been above asking, and um, we've always had to put in some type of clause and escalation clause or something to make the the offer more appealing. So, it's a tough market for buyers right now. Sellers are loving it. Um, it's a seller's market right now, and that's across the nation, yeah. right? What I'm seeing, uh, it's 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 even a tougher market for um, investors because right. um, the the flips uh the flips are now coming very few and none, and then there's a lot of competition. Right. So I mean, a lot of investors are now having to take little margins when it comes to their flips, you know. So
0: so where's the, um, where's the silver lining in all this? I, I there's got to be a, a a silver lining somewhere in all this.
1: The silver lining is this: is that real estate is never going to change when it comes to y- your return on the investment. It's always the best, the, still the most Safest and solid investment out there. Yeah. I mean, I dabble in stocks. I dabble in, um, in, uh, and look at cryptocurrency right now. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> that's, that's all over like, it's dead in the water right like now. People uh, like start shivering when you say crypto. You <laughs> oh my god,
0: <laughs> like, but and I mean, up, and yeah, my crypto is right. like, all right. <laughs> I <look at> <laughs> you
1: know, so but at the same time too, real estate has always been up, you know, after 2008, I think they've put in a, so many different indicators and, and, um, and protections for the real estate consumer, because um, before it even crashes. There's, they're putting in all these, they put all these monetary and fiscal policies that will prevent that, that the two thousand eight from happening. So we, I would see it a crash is almost next to none. It has to be a really drastic situation to see a crash mm-hmm. happen in the real estate market. But I think what happens is that it starts to level out mm-hmm. in the next coming year, in the next couple of months, because now the supply is the man because we now go back to normal where houses stay on the market thirty days instead of a week yeah. or two days, you know. Um, so you, and uh, so that's going to kind of level back out, but this, uh, again, you're going to see in the, the demand, the high demand areas like San Diego, California, still going to be high demand. Everybody wants to live in San Diego, yeah. you know? So, and everybody wants to live in Southern California. The second thing too, is that now that there are working from home, um, you see a lot of them being able to be more, um, mobile, they're able to move across states or if they worked in the, like this, um, the, the Bay area where housing prices are like, the highest in the most of the nation and, and they work from home, they're able to move to places like Texas or move down to San Diego where it's a little bit less, still nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and be able to work now. So that's people are being mobile now. So there's, that's, that's
0: also pushing a lot of demand. Okay. I like, I like that. I like that. So, cause I know it's going to be listeners that listen, it's going to be inspired by your story and, and really want to get into the real estate uh market and and start to seeing how they could build a career what would you give what advice would you give to somebody who would like to start a career in real estate um and take the, a similar path to you
1: yeah i mean anybody uh, real estate is an industrial especially where it's all about where you live and location 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 <laughs> you know uh, <laughs> you know that's that's a mantra for real estate i always say like there's there's real estate agents across the nation everybody there's the top three um necessities that people need is food, clothing, shelter. So real estate is one of those necessities that is always people, it's always going to be in demand, you know? So um, any anything that touches that industry um, is always going to thrive, right? But at the same time too, when you're in the sales industry of real estate, that's where it becomes very competitive. Mm. It's uh, number one, when you come into real estate, is to really get a mentor, you know? I mean, I, I, um, there there is companies out there that give you a mentorship program, you know, I'm on orientation program where um, you get like 60 days or 30 days of good training before you get out there. Because new real estate agents um, who go out there, if you want to get into real estate, the, this is a tough industry. It's a revolving door. Uh, retention in real estate is very low, you know, when it comes to new agents. Um, because it's, I it's, guess, keep in mind, and especially where there's, there's high demand like California, mm-hmm. they say I think it's one out of, every thousand per people here is a real estate agent, what? you know? So, um, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, it's something, it's, it's something like that. Like one out of every 5,000 of every thousand person is a real estate agent. Wow. You have the real estate license. I will have the real estate license. Okay. So there's a lot, a lot of real estate agents here in California, but um, there's so many different assets to this business that once you get a good mentor, get into the business, Understand um, the fundamentals of it. You can choose what direction you want to go in because it's not all about sales. Now, now there's there's companies like Zillow. Yeah. Zillow is not the biggest real estate company in the world, right? And that's because of the value of Zillow right now because they're on the stock market. You know, back when I was growing up, when well, no, no, when I was growing up, when I started real estate, Prudential was the biggest company in real estate. You know, so, I mean, and that was because they had the the biggest amount of residential sales, you know, now it's no longer that residential real estate, the biggest residential real estate company in the world, Zillow. So it has changed, you know, and, and, but the, you have to, one of the things about it is this, you have to, you have to understand and acclimate to these changes. Yeah, Because when I got back into real estate in 2013, I had to start all over again and learning. Oh, really? About, yeah, learning the fundamentals and how to even use, the real estate now, which is all automated on the computer. Yeah. Did it change, back did it change that, a lot from 2013 to the first time you were first in it? Yeah, it did. It did a whole lot. I mean, and then there was all these regulations that came in because of the, the prior crash. A lot of it changed and then I had to go back. I went back to school and I learned the whole, like even marketing real estate now is different, mm. you know, um, where everything is done online now and you don't even need a website now for real estate. Everything is done through face the social media platforms, you know? Mm. Um, a lot of, a lot of companies have now gone over to that. Now, even Zillow is, is, um, actually has a, is a one-stop shop. Zillow where you can buy, sell, finance, even flip real estate on all through Zillow now. Wow. So even, um, even how you access properties, you can, you do it on your phone. You, back in the day, we used to have a key card, you know? Um, so yeah, it, things have changed. It's become more automated, just like any other industry. But at the same time, too, this is the best time to get into real estate if you really want to learn it, you know, because right now we have such a a, a, right now because of demand, we have a shortage of agents,
0: you know. And so uh, even with one thousand one agent for every thousand people, we have a shortage of agents. Yep, Yeah. Because when you look at how many
1: offers are being presented on one property, you know, it's like 20 offers every property, average amount of offers being offered in every property. So there's buyers out there who are are falling through the cracks, you know. Um, there's buyers out there who are not being able to be serviced the best, you know, because the average agent without a team can't service like multiple buyers at the same time, <laughs> you know. So um, there is a shortage right now, and 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 some there's there, there's um you're seeing a lot of new agents come in the industry. So I, I would say get get that training first, go through the orientation, then you can choose what avenue you want to get into real estate. Oh, also have have some backup. Savings. Don't get into real estate thinking that this is a this is a paid job off the bat. Mm-hmm. You know I would, that's the number one thing that I see with most agents. They come in and they think, okay, well, I can make. Some agents get uh, hit the ground running and they start making money. But keep in mind, there's a 30 day wait, ten times sometimes 60 days before you can get paid in real estate. So I would say I have at least a backup of two to three months of uh, savings in real estate so that way um, you can stay afloat. It's it's an industry where every until you get a check in the mail, <laughs> yeah, deal is closed. <laughs> and I don't depend upon one deal paying my bills. You know, it's like right. it's it's never it's not. Don't get into this. Even if you're an investor,
0: mm-hmm.
1: even investor investments, even that's more even tougher because um a lot of times you have multiple deals and they all fall through. You yeah. know, even in real estate, that's the same thing. So, um, get into this business, have backup savings, and just just um get a, get some get the training, get the right training to get in there, and um and uh, so that way you can you can make this a, a career. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I, I like that. Um, you know, I forgot to ask you, like, what what, what steps? Because I know you you, you kind of told me you had the mentor, you went, but what were the exact steps you took to kind of get in real estate? Did you have to like do? a... A, a test first then do your license and then do uh some shadowing training like what, what are those steps give me that one two three yeah so first first you gotta apply i mean so when you apply with the state to uh-huh. get
1: your real estate license now this you can go get directly get your brokers um a lot of times though you still have to i don't know i it's been a while since i got my broker's license um but i know what with the sales agency you have to you have to take the test number one mm-hmm. with the state um you have to apply with the department of real estate in uh, whatever state you are in. And they, you have to take some classes. Mm -hmm. So there's a thing that they, they, they require like 90 credits of classes, which is um, I think it's real estate fundamentals and then um, real estate practice. And then uh, there's also an optional class. You can
0: take accounting in real estate or now where do you go to take these classes? You take them like at a community college or is there a real estate school somewhere that you go on? Like to take these classes?
1: There is uh there it has changed since I took my real estate because I, I went to community college because that's where they used to offer it right um but now I think there's packages that are sold online where you can they give you everything all at once you can do it all online now and get the credits because you have to submit those credits with your application when you um when you're applying for the real estate um, license once you finish those classes then you can uh, submit the credits with your with your license. Or if you have a college degree, I think the college degree surpasses. You just have to take two classes, which is the fundamentals and the practice, and um, send that send those credits in with your college degree, um, and uh, then they will actually process it. Send you back a time to, uh, a time once you do approve it. Send you back a time to do take the exam. Now once you take the exam. You have to pass the exam. I think it's it's. I think you have to. It's seventy percent. You have to get into the, the exam. Mm-hmm. It's not the easiest exam, so it's always. I always advise every agent go take a practice course. These practice courses are more, there's tons of them. There's a line. There's in person. I took a practice course. Um, I remember, and a lot of them actually will. Um, it's where you just take tests Then it, they give you the they test yourself because it's, it's the real exam is a test. It hasn't really changed multiple choice tests. so you, it's kind of like consistently revolving so that most of the questions don't really change right but you just have to make sure and pass it so at, coming up close to your, your exam period take the take the practice exam and um once you once you pass that exam then you have the background checks mm-hmm. um the background checks the screen that you do the um the light the live scan where they take the fingerprints and you do the federal checks and all that so once that passed then you actually get your license you apply to different. Now, before you even get your license, you will be hit up by the big brokerages because they actually have um, algorithms that kind of like pull your information. If you're moving forward to get your exam, it's public record. So now um, they're going to be sending you, okay, well, this this is what we offer. This is what we offer. But you want to interview a bunch, a couple of them, I would say, review a couple of um, these um, brokerages and find the ones that fit you. You know, um, there's tons of them out there right now. Um, Exp um, is, is a big block. Is uh, the, the and then you have um, the luxury real estate like um, Berkshire Hathaway and stuff like that. Yeah. They're the ones who actually um, will hit you up, you know. But okay. find the one that you know, and then you want to, the the success real estate starts with really being able to get get your circle of influence involved, then people know what you do, mm-hmm. you know, because um, as I said, real estate is a necessity. Everybody has. A question in real estate. It doesn't matter if they're buying or the sellers just want to know. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you want to hit your circle of, of influence up as soon as possible. Let them know, hey, you know, you're a real estate agent. Because in this business, it's the same as you can't be a secret agent. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, <laughs> it, you can't. You know, so you never, you're not going to. You know, there's no success in that. You have to, you have to make it as public and make it as public as possible. Even if you're in church in your church group or start a group, you know, and let people know what you do. You know, join organizations, let people know what you do. Um, leverage, you know, certain things that you do to let people know what you do. And that's where the business starts coming in, you know. Um, and then uh, you can, some people do marketing. Like a lot of people get business off of, of um, social media, yeah. you know, in the beginning. So so there's multiple, but find, find, a, find a way that you can actually get the word out there that you are in the business of real estate and you're a real estate agent. So once you do that... Um, and yeah, surround yourself with, with, um, people who are in the same, industry. get a mentor, you know, or somebody who can help you out, um, in trying to make sure that you, who's doing it at a high level. Cause I mean, the, the state, every County has its real estate office, like SDR, San Diego, um, San Diego associated with realtors join that. If you join uh, the realtor, cause if your broker is a realtor, you're going to have to join the realtors, um, association. That's where you get the most help. The most resources yeah. is right there. You know, um. So if you want to start and learn the contracts, they have classes for that. They offer so much training because what one what, what they want to do is make sure that you're successful in the business. There's mm-hmm. so many avenues that are set up for you to be successful in this business. Yeah,
0: absolutely, and I agree to that. Um, and there goes that mentorship, but key again, you know. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I've learned about buying my first property that uh mentorship education is key. Uh, my my first a uh, person to educate me and, and get me into my first home shout out to uh my agent at the time core bailey a black man who uh sat down and educated me uh because i didn't think i was nowhere close to being ready to buy a, a house and he sat down went over the numbers pulled the credit, like yeah you you, you guys are more than ready. Like you got more than what mo- most people got, and I was like, really? Like I thought, okay. I like here, and, 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 right? And and it took him. It had it had to be specifically him because if it was a if it was a white agent that came to me, they wouldn't be able to have the same conversation that this man That's had right. with me because he 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 came to me in a in a he spoke the, the same language. You know, it was, a, it was a comfort level to right. had me. All right. You're not gonna pull my credit, you're not gonna nah, let's just have a conversation so that I can I can just see and then I'll tell you. I'll be straight up with you and he straight up with me and he's like, All right, well here's what now I could give you more accurate if you let me pull your credit so we can mm-hmm. you know, do that that the what do they call it? The 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 loan approval to see what you approve. Oh, the the pre approval. The pre approval. Yeah. yeah. So we did the pre approval. Yeah. It's like here is what you pre approve. I like what really like, real, <laughs> like <laughs> really <laughs> right. <laughs> Next thing we know, uh, it went from education lesson to we buying a home. Like yeah, exactly, in pump. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> and, and and it's and it's important that you you, you, you raise that top that is that number one, especially people that look like us. Uh-huh. Um, just keep in mind, there's a point in time where um, we can buy real estate, all right. And then on top of that, there's a point in time where we can sell, um, like as agents, you know. So that, when you look at um, the whole process of, especially in this country of segregation, the urbanization of America, and and this black home ownership on a whole, which is a big topic right now. We see that we are the last, well, our people that look like us are the last when it comes to homeownership. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's, that's a troubling issue. We're trying to change that by narrowing that gap. And that's what it really takes is the education part, mm-hmm. you know, because, because at the same time too, there's a lot of things that happened in the real estate industry that caused us to be like lagging behind like that. Mm-hmm. It's, you have to, um, I said the urbanization of America, Jim Crow laws. Then, on top of that, you have the fair, fear fair um, lending policies where banks were redlining and blockbusting back in the day, and it still happens today, you know, in financial institutions because the foundation of, of, of real estate right now has has gone over to the banks. You know, they're the ones who control all the inventory in real estate because of the financing. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, so with that, we see that um, we're we're not getting a fair shake when it comes to buying real estate and, and home ownership. So that's something that we I have kind of like in like quote spear not spearheaded, but join mm-hmm. in that fight and then and on the ground where joining NARAB has been something that has helped me in understanding, not only understanding the, the American um the black American um, history of real estate, but also joining the fight where a lot of organizations have started like HUD, the Fair Housing Act have been um, initiated by by NERA, which is National Association of Real Estate Brokers. Mm-hmm. And um, they were able to form their, they were one of the oldest trade organizations in um, black trade organizations in America. Mm-hmm. So they kind of started the same time around, um, not Black Wall Street, but right after Black Wall Street. And they were able to create um, an organization where black real estate agents can now be branded mm-hmm. to help the black community in um, in selling and buying real estate, and they call themselves realtors. Yeah. And the history of America is still impacting real estate in in our community. Mm-hmm. And um, but at the same time, too, right now it's it's a it's the opportunity is ripe where we have a lot of black homeowners right now who are now seeing the power of real estate. Yeah. Because keep in mind, a lot of our issues in the black community came from from a lack of of um, resources true real estate. Because keep in mind when when the urbanization of America happened, people were getting government these homes, government built homes, or through um through HUD, not HUD, um, to the FHA, I'm sorry, of where they were buying homes for like hundred dollars, oh, wow. five hundred dollars, you know, in yeah. the urban area in suburban areas. Yeah. The, the the different the problem was we not were not allowed to because under we the, the the deeds said that we can be sell the land can be sold to colored folks, mm-hmm. right? Um now we see the the disparity because now people were able to use those homes for things like um, send their kids to college. They were able to use those homes for medical expenses. They were mm-hmm. to use those homes to, as leverage for creating businesses, mm-hmm. you know? So without having that, we were not able to experience that. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of lagging behind, mm-hmm. you know? So we're trying to, we're really trying to change that, that, uh, that gap. And I'm, I'm really trying to, that's kind of part of the legacy as you, you mentioned in the beginning that I'm trying to really leave behind is impacting, making sure I can impact as many
0: people who look like us yeah. to buy real estate. And I, and I hope to help change that narrative with you brother in my my own way, um, you know, and, and I love, you know, the fact, and I, I think one thing that's helping change that narrative too is having more black men like yourself and women in real estate coming back to our communities, educating us and helping us, you know, get property. You know, another thing I would say too is if we could get more black people in, uh, because I've seen new experiences. I've even experienced this myself with the appraisers, uh, because these mm. appraisers that are coming in, they are praising properties with people that have black ownership a lot lower than people who are Yeah. white. Yeah. And and I, I, yeah. I just recently experienced that. And and my my, my loan officer like this doesn't seem right. And then I didn't put two and two together until uh, I was talking to another friend. He's like, yeah, safety happened. Uh, did you read this article? And then they changed everything. The black, his black wife left and their white friends same setup. it right, pre yeah, reappraised yeah. and it was much higher yeah. i was like what <laughs> <laughs> no
1: no that's 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 an issue that's just popped up too um and it's, it has been happening but it's just it's been highlighted because of black wealth okay. you know as i said um right now the, the, the statistics they've done um these surveys and they've done these studies right now that shows that Black home owners uh be appraisals are coming in like at least like twenty percent or ten percent lower than the same white home ownership in the same area, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's 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 a troubling issue because number one, as I said, with black wealth, I mean, oh, in wealth in general, sixty when you look at sixty five or sixty seven percent of most people's net worth comes from their real estate
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know um so that's important for us to address because it is affecting the, the um, a black homeowner adversely because at the same time if, if they, they, they work harder and they pay the same amount into their they put the same amount into their real estate as anybody else but based upon one person's opinion um who is biased comes in a hundred thousand dollars less fifty thousand dollars less that's that's kind of like that's a huge impact, you know, for for them, you know, so people that's been highlighted. Um, they are addressing some of those issues right now, um, even uh, with with uh, some of the, the bills that are being passed in Congress right now and in, in, uh, for black homeownership is they're trying to address and making sure that there's also more black appraisers or people who live in the community or who are um, uh, uh, black communities mm-hmm. who understand the black community because the black community has definitely changed mm-hmm. you know it's, it's kind of like you look at places like that where gentrification is happening people don't like that word but it, it, it is a real thing yeah. and it happens in almost every state right now and every city is happening you know um so you, that's the that was the, that is the black community so if people are not getting the fair value market value for their homes, in those areas, it's kind of like they're being pushed out, mm-hmm. you know? So um, that's something that that's being addressed and looked at very heavily right now. More getting, making sure there's more black appraisers or people who look, oh, people appraisers who live in the community and are, are familiar with the community. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I love that. So with that being said, what, what do you think the future has in store for the real estate industry, especially when it comes to get more of us in there?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, what I'm seeing is this is that the talk of um, with, with the whole talk of Buy Black and the whole movement now of Black wealth. And then we have um, Tulsa, Oklahoma, the Black Wall Street. You're seeing that the recurring recur, um, verbiage of real estate is coming up. You know, it's coming up consistently because we not only need real estate for homes, but we need real estate for businesses. There's also the commercial side of real estate. And um, that's something that Black Wall Street definitely um, we, we embraced when we created that um, Black Wall Street. It's to have our own. So I mean it I see the future is bright fit. I think the there's this still is, um, there's still a disparity mm-hmm. and uh, but that disparity now we', we it's, uh, people are talking about it and that's what we need is the narrative to change people to address mm-hmm. it. and then uh, you see politicians are actually now starting to really look at it. As a as an issue, I I love the where real estate is heading with the technology involved now. Yeah. One of the things that a lot of people are now kind of concerned about is that um, the automation of real estate with true AI, which is artificial intelligence, and then you have these um, these uh, what do you call it? These uh, fintech mm-hmm. uh, banks now that are coming out because Zillow actually is a fintech now. So it, it's kind of like now we we are we're, we're starting to say, okay, well. We need to be involved in some of these decisions. We need to be at the table now. You know, we need to have. It's kind of like we're breaking the, the doors down. Saying anywhere there's real estate being discussed and it's targeting our community, we need to be at a table. You understand? So, so a lot of people now are addressing these issues. So there's there's so many different levels that um, even in the tech industry now, with where we're we're starting to see the the improvement or the discussion. Of making sure that um, decisions are being made, big decisions about our community in terms of real estate being made and we're at the table. Yeah. Um I love where real estate is going. I mean, in general. Man. I mean, real estate is an industry that, as I said, it's one of the necessities, economic necessities. We're never gonna we're never gonna not need it. It's a necessity. So you see it evolving. You know, it's evolving. I I see um there's gonna be now they have 3D. Somebody contact me by the 3D real estate um people are actually making these three D homes. Building real estate from these 3D machines that are building real estate. Oh yeah, um, Who knows? yeah. <laughs> so, so, so um, you see the industry, and now people are more um, concerned about the the, um, the footprint, the the, um, the not the economic footprint, but the environmental footprint that's real estate is is um, leaving. So, a lot of people are now looking at sustainable real estate, mm-hmm. sustainable energy, which is solar now. Um, using more um, sustainable materials that are not going to because to say lumber is the number one um affects the ecosystem the most because they have to cut so many trees down mm-hmm. you know um, when it comes to real estate so you're seeing that more, more different materials everybody now is on this are not focused more on, on the big homes anymore every everything is now minimal mm-hmm. you find them everybody wants more of a minimal life you know so tiny homes or smaller homes are the big push now you see um people not really pushing there's not the demand is going to change yeah but i I like where the real estate industry is going uh i mean it's never gonna i I think it's the sky sky's the limit for real estate you know it's not only just it's not only just um residential but commercial you have um, the hotel industry is one of those industries that i'm looking at that i would tell most investors kind of look into because that's the industry that has has been hit hard most in 2020. And um, uh, that's the industry that you'll see a lot of for sale signs, especially the smaller hotels and motels. You know, coming up, um, so, so uh, you'll see because even though even though people are it's, the, it's on a rebound, you still have people who are um, struggling. You know, because of the whole tourism industry, uh, second homes big that's going to be big in in twenty twenty one. People who have second homes now, going to have to rethink about whether they want to keep that second home and keep that financial burden. Um, so they're going to be selling those second homes too, mm. and then and then on top of that, we have a a, a whole baby boomer aging uh, real estate market. Um, those uh, we because one of my businesses that I do is probates. We do a lot of probates, and uh, we see that happening a lot where as people get older, they don't want to have to deal with the headaches of uh, renters and real estate taxes and all that stuff. They just want to focus on the quality of life, so um, they they're kind of um, liquidating a lot
0: of their real estate assets right now too. Mm, Interesting So yeah I like it. I like it. Lots of stuff to look forward into the future of real estate. I can't wait to take this journey with you, brother. You know, we could we mean you could probably talk all day, but I, I like to keep this around 40, 60 minutes at tops. <laughs> 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 a good drive or, or whatever we we, you we, in between we, the we might have to we, we
1: might have, we might have to chop and screw it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so let's get it on this though. What, what what projects are you currently working on and, and where can the people find you?
1: Yeah, um, one of the, a lot of the projects that I'm working on, I, I work with a lot of um, investors, too. Um, one of the things that I, I'm heavily involved in is with NERAB, National Association of Real Estate Brokers. I'm the chaplain for NERAB and um, I'm also chaplain for NERAB, which is California Association of Real Estate Brokers. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we try to do is, is just make, make sure that we, um, we are servicing our community in real estate. Uh, we have so many different programs that true, um, that you can come and learn and um and a couple of the projects that we're trying to do is start an investment group um a black investment group that can actually go out to our communities target our communities because right now we are seeing our communities as a target because that's where we see most of the business happening because it's affordable mm-hmm. for the real estate is our communities right now so we're trying to create um opportunities where we can have our um the real estate stay within our communities because okay. we see a lot of outside investors coming in, buying the properties and selling it. Mm-hmm. And so, but we can do the same thing too. If we, if we pull our money together, then we have um, different programs out. There. If you're a new real estate agent come out, you can join the Arab also. And you, and you'll want to experience, have, have this learn the black experience of real estate. It's, it's an educational process too, but it will inspire you and motivate you to actually go for Cause there's not, not many people like us who do the business and we need more, you know? So, um, uh, those are things, a couple of things I'm working on for me business wise. Um, I'm starting to trying to build um, a, a pool of investors. Mm-hmm. Just always looking for that uh, people who are willing to put up the money to invest in real estate because I come across a lot of um, distressed properties too. And you can find me anywhere Trini Living at Trini Living on, uh, on Instagram, um, Clinton James Facebook. And um, I I work under a great team and a great mentor, Denise Mathis. D E M Real Estate and Financial. You can just just at Team D E M. It's just D E M. So yeah, you can find me, and you also see me on Facebook i try to post every day what i'm doing and how i'm in the market so people can actually learn and be inspired to
0: yeah and i i stay inspired from his instagram the amount of keys i see him giving away i was like you know what i i need clinton james to get me some keys (laughs) (laughs) you play that dj one time on social media i got the keys the
1: keys got the keys keys. keys. (laughs) And, and on top of that you know you can find me in the corner of Working on myself, Lane and inspiring of this drop. Hey! Oh, I had to leave that with that.
0: <laughs> I, I thought that's thought, I thought you were gonna come with. Uh, I, I, <laughs> with <laughs> hey, I had to leave
1: it. I had to leave it. I had to leave it. Hey, you
0: can find my brother on Let's Talk About It on God's Radio One every Tuesday. Yes, say. Um, My brother will. So check him out there. Um, Clinton, make sure you give me your bio and all the links where people can follow you. I'm going to put that in the show notes so people can contact you and get in touch with you. Um, It's been a pleasure, my brother. Any last words of wisdom people out there?
1: Yeah, man, I want. I would, and hey, Terrell, what you're doing out here, and what you do you've been doing in the community, man. I I am inspired. I mean, this guy here, I mean, he is he is like my rabbit right now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, too, is what I love about the um, the show that you're doing is you're leveling up, you know. That's one thing I love about it, and then you're you're using your platform to actually
0: help. And um, the community. Man, I- so I love it, man. And uh, keep on doing what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. you. know, As they say, still shopping, still. And, and uh, this brother is shopping my my game, my knowledge. And uh, we, we feed off each other. So, um, you know, when you got the right people and team around you, in circle and mentors and people inspire you, you, you bound to level up. Right. If you're around the five millionaires, uh uh there's a big chance you're gonna be the fifth one, right? <laughs> that's true. Hey, that that that's that's true. Good. I remember
1: all, all always live by by Philippians four thirteen. They you can do all things through
0: Christ Jesus who strengthens you, man there you go there you go all right ladies and men, that's been clinton james we're gonna get that information for you um and i got another episode of rise Pandora. thank you for listening to another episode of rise urban nation thank you for taking the journey be sure to like comment and smash that subscribe button and stay connected with terrell on and off the show follow at rise urban nation on all platforms do what you love love what you do don't chase the money let the money chase you Please.